Don't Call Me Girl Boss is an unfiltered perspective from women small business owners. I'm your host, Jessica Buck, and I have been a small business owner for six years and counting of Sunless Ray, which is a spray tan business. I have a location in Orange County, California, and I'm currently doing mobile spray tans in Austin, Texas. I have also started selling my own online Sunless products. In this podcast, I interview like-minded women business owners who have been through all the stages of owning a business or are just starting one. I hope the stories you hear in these interviews will help you become the best version of yourself. Recently, my small business on this ray came out with our very own self-tan mousse set. Our mousse is vegan, non-toxic, meaning none of those harsh chemicals you see in other self-tanners. It is cruelty-free and has a fresh out-of-the-shower smell. You will not smell the self-tanner at all, and the best part is it is literally dry in 60 seconds, meaning it won't be on your sheets and it won't be on your clothes. Our set comes with our buildable mousse, application mitt, and exfoliating mitt. You will have everything you need to have the perfect at-home tan. For our listeners, I am doing a special promo code, GIRLBOSS, for free shipping. That is all one word, GIRLBOSS. And you can purchase our mousse on sunlessray.com. Hey guys, thank you again for choosing to listen to another episode of Don't Call Me GIRLBOSS. If this is your first time listening, thank you as well. Uh, This week, I had the privilege of interviewing the CEO and founder of Kosher. Her name is Tan. I was really excited to interview her because she left her corporate job, had an amazing, great job. Uh, She went to college. She had a BS from Cornell and an engineering PhD from UC San Diego. She has served as an executive in leadership roles, government as chief information officer, and as an IT director at MIT Sloan. She is a very educated woman, and she left all of that to pursue her dream and her first love and getting in back into fashion. And I think that is so powerful and that so many people are in their corporate jobs right now thinking about doing that or just in a job they don't like and they're ready to take the plunge. And this is a very inspiring story. And she's going to share exactly what's gone on, how she even got to leaving her job, what that looked like, and what it's like to start a business from the ground up. So without further ado, here is Tan. You're just amazing. So thank you so much for letting me be a part of it. Yeah, of course. You were like, the, after I heard your story, it was just like, oh, yeah, you you need to come say that what's been going on because that's such a huge leap that you've taken. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. I can't wait to ask you all the questions. But yes. um, before we get into the business side, I just like to kind of figure out where everything stemmed from and like mm-hmm. who your parents are. And I just feel like all of that is so relevant to who we are today. Mm-hmm. So where do you think like... Did, were your parents entrepreneurs? Did you think you would ever be a business owner growing up at like a young age? Yeah. So, you know, I grew up in New York State. I grew up in a really small town. It was working class. You know, it wasn't New York City. Um, it was a small town. Um, and most of the people there, most of the adults that I knew owned small businesses. And I didn't even know that term growing up. It was just who owned the corner store that I bought the milk at 
or who was Farmer Gray down the road where we got eggs from. You know, um, my piano teacher had a small business. That's how she made her income. She did piano lessons. So it was, you know, a small town. We didn't even have a mall in that town. It was that small. So everything was small shops. And I think that had a huge impact on me um, seeing that growing up without, as a child, not being able to fully, you know, formulate that these were like small companies. Um, and in terms of my parents, you know, my parents were both uh, born in India and they immigrated here before I was born. And my dad, um, he's a medical doctor. He had a regular job um, at a hospital, but he really wanted to start something on his own. So he decided he was going to have a small private practice and he set that up in our house, you know, so in the basement, he made a little office and studio and an examination room and waiting room. And he did that for decades, you know, he'd do his full-time job in the morning and then he'd have his small business in the evening. Um, and he gained a really good reputation um, for people in the neighborhood as a very kind doctor who would, you know, see you in person, you know, and give you that kind of customer service and that nice touch to medicine versus it being just so um, kind of scary and clinical. Um, and I watched him do that. And I watched how much passion he put into his own business and all the things that went into it. Because the glamorous side is, you know, seeing your customers and seeing people. But I actually saw the majority of it from the non-glamorous side, the amount of accounting he had to do, the amount of, um, you know, working with the banks to get whatever he needed from a money perspective to do it. Um, and that actually took up a lot of his time, you know, so I had a lot of respect and it was good for me to see all of that growing up, that these are the things that you need to do if you start your own business and you can start your own business, you know, and it starts small and it can grow over time. Yeah. Did you help him at all when you were growing up? I did. Yeah. It used to be such, I used to feel like so big and such an honor if he would let me do some of the office work, whether it was cleaning or paperwork, or um, one of my favorite things was I would definitely go to the bank with him every week. And it just made me feel so big and it helped me understand more what he was doing. And it was just really good memories, really good memories helping out. What did your mom do? So my mom was traditional. So she was um, a homemaker. My dad was working from probably 7 to 10 p.m. at night. So 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. at night because he'd have his regular job from 7.30 to 4.30. Then he would come home and then start working his small business from like 5 to 10 at night. Um, so their conversation really was around he was gone the whole day. And he wanted to make sure that there was someone to watch um, the kids. So that's what she did. And she really enjoyed that. You know, she really enjoyed that. And she felt like she was giving him a lot of support for his business that he was doing at night by doing that. Yeah. What was your dad's drive? He seems like a very driven man. What was those are long hours. Those I are know really, I... really long hours. And I think a lot of it has to do with his upbringing, just like where I am and life has to do with mine, you know, so. I grew up in a small town. It was um, working class, low income. You know, my dad grew up in an environment where, um, you know, everyone was kind of working class and that you just had to work very, very hard. I feel like he had a lot of drive that he wanted to be able to 
raise out of that situation. Um, his own dad was a wonderful person. Um, he was a principal at a high school and he was very well known for being like really good and organized. And um, he also had a military background. So I think all of that kind of gave my dad the drive to be really organized, to work really, really hard. Um, but above everything else, to be able to provide at a level more than what he had, you know, because he didn't have a very comfortable upbringing. He had a good upbringing. You know, he had good parents and they worked hard, but he wanted to be able to get to the point where there was a little bit of security and comfort, you know, so that was something that was very important to him. And he wanted to provide that, you know, he felt like coming to America was an opportunity to do that. Yeah, that's amazing. Your mom was just because I know some women, it's hard to stand back or even as a man that stays home with a child. Those are a lot of hours with just children. I know yes, it's a lot. Yes. So I think she had a good community of other women in the area that were doing something similar. So when we were at school, she would have an opportunity to maybe take a lunch break once in a while. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it is. I mean, we all have to kind of think holistically about what your family needs. And it was also a different generation back then. It is because um, I remember growing up very much the mindset when I was going to college is that for all the young women I went to college with, it really wasn't something we talked about in terms of staying home. We always talked about having a job and then finding a way to balance work with having kids if we decided to. Uh, so I think it's very generational. Um, even in the generation we're in right now, we do see some women making that decision to stay at home or making that decision to stay at home for certain periods of time. I think that happens. You know, for some people, it might be when their child is really, really small, or for some people, it might be when they're in high school, when they feel like they need to give some dedication to it. Um, I think women now have a little bit more choice and opportunity if they want to do that or what that blend is. I think there's opportunities for part-time work as well if they want to um, kind of blend that. Yeah. What was, when did you start your working career? Did you get a job out of high school or did you just do education Yes. So my first job was when I got to college, you know, and um, I actually left high school early because uh, one of your questions was um, really about my high school experience. And for me, high school yeah. was I'm so grateful for the high school that I went to. Um, it wasn't challenging enough for me. Like I finished the course curriculum pretty quickly. So around age 16, I started going to community college classes. Wow, that's very impressive. Thank you. And um, I was just ready. I was just ready to go. So I was just ready to go. So I did that for a while until I was ready to go to college. And I left high school a little bit early. Um, I was voted most likely to succeed, you know, just based on kind of my drive and my academics. And I always had this vision of myself being this corporate woman, a successful corporate woman. Um, even though I had a love of things that are very creative. Okay. So I had a love growing up as a child to mix perfumes, to mix makeup, to play in things that are very colorful. I loved fashion. I um, 
was so interested in that I actually chose my major in college, which is a scientific and technical one. Um, I have degrees in chemical engineering, and I did that because at that time I thought I would get into makeup, like I would make a makeup brand or I would work for Estee Lauder or I would do something like that. And as I got to college, I realized that those engineering degrees, um, the jobs that you get are not necessarily making the makeup or making the the perfume or making the fashion. It, it, it was a different type of work, you know? So that was something I learned through that process, which was surprising to me. You know, we always have a different vision of what things are like when we're a kid. Um, but it still worked out great because in college, I did excel in the academia. I really excelled in also people-to-people um, -people interaction, which I think set me apart as an engineer. Really good communication skills. I loved leading meetings. I loved organizing. I loved managing people. I loved teaching. And that really got me to, I worked part-time throughout college, um, which was fantastic. But then after graduating, you know, I had a chance to be in a super technical role, you know, as an engineer or to go into consulting, you know, and I chose to go into consulting because it gave me a chance to do the business side that I was so excited to do. And to be very honest, I really wanted to dress the part. You know, this is kind of the beginning of the fashion, me becoming aware of fashion inside myself. Um, I loved fashion in high school. But I was really excited to join the corporate world and to get my first skirt suit and to get all these beautiful, fashionable things and to have some fashionable jewelry and to do my makeup in a certain way that I imagined a corporate successful woman would do. And it was so much fun. You know, I really did for my entire corporate career have so much fun every morning getting ready. I loved those professional clothes. Um, and I was pretty well known for being fashionable in the corporate world. Yeah. What was your job in college? So my job, I had several. Um, I worked at the college library. That was my first ever job. That was like so exciting just to learn how a library worked. And then I also did a teaching job. So I was a teaching assistant where they would pay me to then do the homework grading and to manage study sessions for some of the classes that I had already taken. Um, and I was also a research assistant. So it gave me a good kind of range of different activities. The research assistant part, I think, was really important for me, too, to understand how you take the science, how you actually make experiments, how do you actually write um, articles um, and publish them in journals. So that was all very important. It was like a wide, wide variety of things that I did in, in undergrad. Um, and then I consulted for a while after graduating, I consulted at what is now called Accenture, which is a really large consulting company. Um, and I decided to go back to grad school, you know, so I also have a PhD in chemical engineering, I really wanted to get that PhD. So if I decided later on, in life that I wanted to teach at the college level that I could. And that is where I actually became very entrepreneurial. And that is where I came up with the idea for my small business, Cojure. Um, I actually interned at their center for entrepreneurship. Um, they were just beginning to do that. And I worked with several professors there, 
helping them to create business plans for the science that they were testing out in their labs. So that was a really, really neat experience for me to go through. But I didn't take the leap into entrepreneurship. I had the idea for closure. I had written it out. I had wow. Repeat- with and this is just after you graduated in college, you've thought about all this. So you knew yes. for a while that yes. this is something you wanted to do. Yes. So I have known for a while, you know, and I think a lot of women, and I'm going to focus on women in business. I think it applies to men also. You know, if we get presented with a high-paying job it's really tempting to do that versus taking the leap of starting your own business because you may not know exactly what those steps are. Uh, So after getting my PhD, you know, it's kind of like, do I start the business? Do I get, you know, a job? Um, But I got a job that I considered my dream job. It was at another consulting firm and I loved being there. You know, I just really, really loved being there. And Over time, my career just kind of kept advancing. I got higher and higher management positions and it was really good skills that I learned, you know, really good skills, learning how to manage technology projects, managing staff. I got involved um, in the government sector. I became a chief information officer of a pretty large um, agency. It was exciting. You know, I managed multiple, multiple million dollar projects. And I made a lot of impact. And I think my key takeaway from that corporate experience was the management skills and the ability to manage large projects that were very long term over many years. And it also helped me understand how to give back to my community, you know, because the reason I was drawn to working in the government, I mean, I worked in the government for about 10 years. So it was quite a bit of my career was so I could see firsthand how we can help local and state governments. It was really fantastic. Um, And I still volunteer at a nonprofit that I got introduced to during that time, you know, because it's very important to me to understand how things work locally, to understand how you can help your community and that you can take any skill that you have, whatever that skill is, you can take it and you can actually help people in your community by applying it. That's so interesting you brought that up because I've literally this whole week I've been dealing with my neighborhood association and getting <gasps> wow, that's wonderful. traffic humps and calling the city and figuring yes. out the Austin Transportation Department I'm... and speed management. And that's yes. just so funny that you brought that up because this is something I haven't even talked about, but it's been a consuming my whole week. Yes, it does. It becomes very, very... Um, it's very time intensive. You know, we had something like that happen in our neighborhood as well, because we saw so much traffic and same thing, having to reach out to the city of Austin. It's important to learn how these things work. It's important to feel like you have an opportunity to make an impact in your own neighborhood, in your own community, you know? Well, you don't realize you do. Like you don't realize as a resident in a city, you have a voice and you have power. And these people in these offices have to get back to you. That is their core job. Absolutely. And I never knew that, you know, I I had no idea that they work for me. I'm like, what do you mean? Same, you know, like it's one of those things that I think we don't, we aren't as aware of when we're growing up and we're going through regular school, you know, but then as we become adults and we see these things happening in our neighborhoods, you know, getting educated about that and then partnering maybe with other neighbors, you know, or becoming part of like a group association, you learn a lot, you know, it's really, and it's important, 
it's very, very important. To well, you don't know when you need it either. You right. have a child and then, you know, things that exactly. were never on your radar exactly. are on your radar. Like yeah. I would never have cared about speed humps, you know, unfortunately right. until I had my own child. Right. Right. And now like I'll fight, you know, forever yes. for that. Yes, absolutely. So I think that's fantastic. And it's such an important part of regardless of what we do for our careers, it's important to apply our energy to our communities. Yeah, a hundred percent. And there's so many ways to get involved and it's just a few phone calls. It does take up some time, but there's so many people out there that are so excited when you call. They're like, please, yes, we need more people like you. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. So how was working corporate? You seem like you had a great experience. There was, I I know some people hate it. I've heard that so many times, but I guess it's, you know, where they go and where they're working. I think it's where you go, where you're working. I also think so much of it is what you want to do in your mindset. So because since I was a little girl, I wanted to do this. I wanted to wear the corporate suits. I wanted to have like the office. I wanted to like manage big teams and accomplish things. It was so exciting to me. You know, for me, it was, and I love routines. So when you have a corporate job, you have a routine. Work starts at a certain time. So you you have a routine. Um, I had a great routine. You know, I used to do a little workout in the morning. Then I'd meet a friend for coffee. We'd talk about our day really quickly. And then my day would start, you know, and to me, that was like really exciting, you know, to have it, you know, I felt a little bit like I was sex in the city, like going. Yeah, it is glamorous. It it was so glamorous having that expensive latte every morning, then wearing, you know, the beautiful jewelry and the beautiful outfits and the perfume and my hair was done and all these meetings. And then once in a while, um, they would do happy hours, you know, so on Fridays, there might be a happy hour to go. So it was a pretty, it was a fun lifestyle. It was a lot of work. It was very social. I'm a social person. So that fit very well for me. Um, And again, when I say mindset, it is, um, we actually, you used a really important word, you used the word power, you know, you used the phrase, we have power, and sometimes we don't realize it. I think even if you're going to do a corporate job, a career in an office setting, you have power. You have the power to really research what type of environment you're going to thrive in, what type of people you would like to work in with, um, what type of industry would be interesting to you. You have that power. So it might take you some time. You might have to be in one job for a while until you can apply and get a job in a company or an industry that you like better, but you can get there. You know, you can get there if you have that mindset of that there's the right match for you. And then you don't feel like it's a um, a rat race. You actually get excited to be part of the bigger, you know, corporation. Um, so I, I definitely liked it. I definitely liked it because I did the consulting, but then I did the government thing. I got to a point where I managed a really large team. And then, you know, things started hitting a wall for me in the corporate um, world. I'd reached like this high level, I had a good salary, um, but I felt like things were pretty automatic, you know, um, and the same over and over again. And I had heard about this concept, we hear about it a lot now, but we heard, I heard about this concept of hiring a coach to evaluate, help you evaluate what your next steps should be, what would be good for you. And like a business coach? Yes, yes. Okay. And that was actually a little frightening for me to do. I'm going to be very honest about it because it's an investment of money. Um, And I'm used to investing money. Let's say I want physical fitness goals. 
I would invest money in a gym membership. And then in my head, I would know that if I use it, I'm going to get results. Okay. So in my head, I'd be like, okay, that's money well spent. If I use it, I'll get results. Good. But with the business coach, I wasn't it's a sure. gamble, right? Oh, I felt like that's so much and it's so much money. And I was so nervous. Like I didn't want to, this is me being very honest. Cause I love the person that I did work with. Um, I was nervous, you know, am I paying someone just to talk to me for an hour? You know, what am I going to get out of well, that? Well, that and everyone's a business coach yes. now online. It's, it's a lot. There, there's a lot actually. So I interviewed a few people. I went with someone who was actually very specifically focused on um, people who had reached um, senior management positions and they either wanted to pivot their career or they wanted to take that senior management position and maybe go even one higher notch, you know, like maybe they wanted to be some sort of chief executive at a fortune 500 company. Okay. So it's like this leap to the next level. So she was a really good fit for me because she was able to do a very thorough assessment of my skills. Uh, but she also pushed back on me a lot. You know, I kept getting job offers in the same industry I was in, in the technology sector for other chief information officer positions, and they paid a lot. <laughs> so I just wanted to take them. And she had some really... Uh, strong conversations with me that made me answer some tough questions, you know, tough questions like, how is this different from anything else you've ever done? How are you going to grow in this position? Are you going to be working on your fashion business every single day at night? Because that's actually what's interesting to you. And that is what it actually boiled down to, you know, her having a very firm conversation with me saying, yes, you can take this new job and it has a really great title and a really great salary. But after about six months, you are going to go back to at night working on your fashion business and your focus is going to be on that. Your heart is going to be on that. Your passion is going to be on that. So you're going to be going, you know, she wrote me an email that at the time felt very harsh. And the email said, and round and round we go on the carousel again. Wow. Uh, yes. And then that kind of really made me stop to think about, yes, I can be like that hamster in the wheel and have a good paying job, but I'm missing my passion and I'm missing something else that I'm good at. That was the other thing she helped me understand about myself, that I am very self-directed. I am organized. I am capable. You know, what is holding me back from starting my own business? You know, what, is what was that? What, what was holding you back? I think what was holding me back was the unknown. You know, you have this beautiful golden opportunity in front of you where you feel like it's a known salary. You know, they tell you the salary. So you feel like, okay, it's going to be this. There's going to be benefits. It feels safer. Okay. The organization is set up and it also feels significant. That is another thing that I've really learned about human psychology is that we all need to feel significant. And when you're in corporate America and you have one of the fancy titles and the really nice office and you feel significant, you feel important when you go into work, you really do. Um, so some of those things, like when I was reflecting on it, helped me understand what is it that really matters to me? Um, and I'm going to add this other question in that you had for me and it had to do with you know a time where I fell on my face so all of these things kind of happened all at the same time. You know, I had this executive coach 
in terms of falling on my face, it was more of a life flashing before my eyes moment that I went through at that same period of time. This was about two years ago where I found a lump and, you know, I noticed it. I went to go see my gynecologist and we immediately had to go into surgery to remove it. And the surgery affected me a lot more than I ever thought because I've given birth to kids. So I thought, okay, the first two weeks is going to be painful recovering from this. And then I'm going to be fine because it's just a lump they're removing. It's not like I'm giving birth, but I actually had some severe reactions to the surgery itself and the chemicals that they put in me during that time. And it took me closer to three to six months to kind of start feeling normal again. And I took that time to really think about my family is important to me. My health is important to me. And is this what I want to do with the rest of my life? Okay. Not to be dark, but do I want to live a life that was just corporate or do I want to invest in that dream that I had? You know, and I'm very fortunate that after a week, you know, the results came back that I did not have cancer, but it was just one of those moments that has impacted me for the rest of my life because it affected me so it affected my family. You know, my girls got really, really scared. My husband got scared. And it was um, that moment of, okay, you've already talked to your coach about wanting to do this. She's saying that you have the skills to do this. Now you've had this crisis that happened, you know, and I really believe it happened for a reason. It happened for a reason for me. Um, I've always been grateful, you know, for the life I've had, but it makes me even more grateful but it also makes me realize we have a certain amount of time here on earth. We don't know how much time that is. Um, and we really should invest it in the things that are important to us. You know, um, my faith and my family are always going to be the top priorities. But then in terms of my career, I should be investing it in something that I'm passionate about and something that allows me to give back to my community. That's really so important to me. You know, so my vision for Kosher and the business is, I'm impacting the environment by making sustainable fashion and that the revenue I bring in, I can use a portion of that to donate to charities. So I feel like it's a holistic approach of I'm doing something I'm passionate about. I am not waiting forever because we don't necessarily have forever to wait to do the things we want to do. Um, and I can give back to my community by being a small business owner. Wow. It's very powerful. It's a very pivoting moments that you've gone through. Yeah, it was, it was a huge moment. The surgery was, you know, and when it rains and pours, you know, as I went through that, um, my older daughter was in high school at the time. She was having a really hard time in high school. You know, her confidence was dropping. Um, I was scared she was going to run away from home, you know, so my husband and I, we were having like family meetings between what do I do for my career? My priority was, you know, my daughter and making sure she was in an environment that she could thrive, that she felt confident, that she could blossom her skills. Um, that was two years ago. And that's when we made the decision to move from the North to Austin, because I was specifically looking for a place where my girls could have academic um, support, good academics, but be welcomed by the teenage community, be welcomed. And they had that here. You know, when we came to visit Austin to make that decision, they were immediately embraced by other teen girls and it was so supportive and it was warm and it was encouraging and it was welcoming. So 
both of my daughters have just become so much more academically healthier, um, emotionally healthier here. And that just gives me so much affirmation that we made the right choice and it was based on what our values were. For me coming to Austin, I also am physically healthier here. You know, um, the cancer scare actually, I think it did mildly traumatize me. It just made me scared, you know, all of a sudden. So coming here was a good reset for me. And Austin is also very supportive of small businesses, you know. Oh my gosh, amazing. This is like the best place to be I'm, if you own a small business. It is. It is. You know, so I actually picked up a magazine in 2018 and the magazine that I purchased um, every January, like these magazines have the 10 best places to live. This magazine was the 10 best places to live. And then it also had a feature for 10 best places to start a business. And Austin was on that list. Okay. So we decided to move to Austin. Um, we kept our house up north just in case, you know, we rented it out. But we have been so grateful since moving here. I've met small business owners like yourself and everyone is helpful and supportive and they're like your cheerleaders. You know, you cheer them on and then they cheer you on. And it has been really refreshing. And so many smart women, you know, I, regardless of the type of small business that you have, it can be a beauty salon, it can be a tanning salon, it can be um, a fashion business like what I have. The women who run these businesses are so smart and they're smart at a wide variety of things. It might be the creative aspect. It might be marketing through social media. It might be managing people or it might be customer service, but it has just opened up this whole wide world of skills that I can, you know, increase and that I can learn because I can see these women um, and they all have different skills and I can be inspired by them, you know? So that's a huge reason why I love Austin. It has been such a good move for us in all the different ways, you know, academically for my girls, it has been such a good move for me, for my own uh, physical health, and then for starting a business. The, the support here has been immeasurable. Yeah, so you had the scare, you had the surgery. Was it at this point that you quit your job and yes. just never went back? Yes, so when I got the... Um, when I found the lump, like when I was about to go into surgery was when I went into work and I was like, I have to, I have to do this, you know, and you can always go back. You know, that's what I talked through with my friends. You know, I can always go back. But I've we, told people that so many times that are yes. uh, nervous about quitting their job yes. and going full-time in a business. Yes. It's just like that job will always be, it will there, be there and they'll be so happy to take you back. Exactly right. So I had to kind of convince myself of that, that that job will be there. But I needed the time to go through the surgery and I needed the time to be with my daughter to help guide her through some of the stress of high school. Um, and then after the surgery, I needed the time to heal. I didn't realize that. And it, it's like the first time I was having um, any type of surgery and everybody's body is different. We all react differently. It does not mean I was weaker or stronger than anybody else, but my body in particular needed more time to recover than I ever anticipated. So I, I really am grateful I took that time to heal, pay attention to my daughter and my family, and then also to put the framework together for my business. Yeah. So did you just tell them like, I quit and I'm not going back? Or was it like a, a moment? Was it hard to make that phone call? I don't think it was hard because I had already been talking to some people in my job about starting a fashion business. Um, I was pretty well known for being fashionable um, there. 
So I think that, I don't think that was surprising to them. I don't think that was okay. surprising to them. Yeah. Cause I'd been talking about it and I'd actually gotten some encouragement from some of my colleagues too. Like you should just do it. You should just do it. And then when I got the cancer scare, it was kind of like one of those wake up moments, like, okay, my world has stopped. You know, what is important? You know, my health is important. My kids are important, you know, and how do I want to spend the rest of my life? You know, how do I want to spend that time? You know, I've already. Well, what's interesting is everyone's going through that conversation with themselves because of COVID this year. I know, you know, so for me, like a lot of the reflections that I had a couple of years ago, people are going through right now. And I actually feel like it's one of the silver linings of COVID. I feel like it's one of. I think so too. Yeah, I'm grateful for it. It's been a time of great reflection. For me, it has been reaffirmation that I'm doing the right thing because, um, Everyone got nervous during this time. I just want to be honest. You know, I was nervous about finances. Okay. We all were. Yeah. But I kind of buckled down and I said, the same things are important to me, like health. Okay. So again, health, family, you know, and being there for my girls, you know, during this time was again, so valuable because it's nerve wracking. None of us knew what was happening. None of us knew what this meant. None of us knew how large of an impact it was going to have. So being able to do that. Um, and my business did stall, you know, during the shutdown. So many of my friends who own businesses did. Okay. Very few people I know actually kind of kept going. Very few people, like vast majority of us things stopped and yeah, it's scary, but I think collectively we came together, you know, to get through the hardest part of that together. Um, and that's what, why community is so important because if your friend needs help, you can go help them, you know, and you, you reach out to people, you check up on people and see what they need because the smallest thing can make a big difference to someone. It can be as small as, you know what, I'm going to get your groceries this week and I'm going to leave it outside your door because I know you're scared. You know, it can be something as small as that, that can give people a sense of security and a sense of being, you know, taken care of. Yeah. So you, you're quitting your job, you did quit. And then what are the next steps? Yeah. Are you getting involved in your business? So if my next steps were really doing all the administration setup of the business, part of that really involved going very, very deep into kosher. What was the meaning behind it? Why am I doing this? Who am I serving? You know, I really want to serve women who are selective and who really value themselves, are globally conscious, value the environment, um, want things that are unique. But these women that I serve are also boundary breakers. They're stereotype breakers. They're unique. You know, they don't fit into a generic box. They're very unique people and they like to have things that are unique as well. So that was an important exercise to really go deep into the meaning of the brand and the meaning uh, that it would bring to women, okay, that I would be serving. I It took me a little bit of time to set up the legal aspect of it, the LLC, to get all of the, um, the business domains and the social media set up and to kind of understand what that investment was going to be. And last year, a good portion of my work was really, what are the steps that you need to do to start a fashion brand from scratch, you know, to design clothing from scratch and take it from idea to a written drawing, to a technical drawing, to a sample, to actually having it in a store or an online boutique. So um, 
I'm so grateful for the internet for that reason, because it helped me to find people who know what those steps are and that can teach you and coach you through all of that. So that was a large part of what last year was for me until I finally found a couple of people that um, I've hired to help me with kind of the production, you know, the production of the garments and how do you take those sketches into a technical sketch and how do you get the right fabrics or the right yarn for sweaters and how do you do the color selections and how do you make sure it's environmentally and ethically made. Um, it was a lot of learning, you know, and it was a lot of learning and it was a lot of um, I'm grateful that I have that opportunity and the resources to learn that. Yeah. So you just went on Google and just kind of researched and did everything that way. Yes. Just started researching. I will tell you for a business though, you may have run into this yourself. There's only so much you can Google. Okay. I think there are certain things that there are steps for, but when you're doing something like this, you have to talk to actual people who are in that industry and know a little bit about what it's like to start, what it's like to operate, and then what it's like to grow. Okay. Cause there's different challenges and different things that you have to set up for each one of those like phases. Um, so I did start Googling and you won't, you will believe me. I think that I started finding people through Instagram. I started finding people who knew how to start a fashion brand on Instagram um, they would reach out to me. I would reach out to them. I'd un we'd have phone calls and um, that was very helpful, you know, because just the, if you Google like start a fashion brand, you'll get a few books, but those books really weren't giving me the details I needed, like the on the ground, what are the steps that I need to do to take this from an idea to an actual product that really came from reaching out to real people. And talking to real people who had worked in the fashion industry for many, many, many years, um, because then they could give me their knowledge in a few phone calls, you know, and again, I'm grateful that we have that community. It I always, everything for me, I think goes back to community and learning from other people. Um, and I also have learned from people who are not necessarily in fashion. You can learn from people who are, let's say I've learned from a friend who is a photographer or an influencer. They also had to set up their business. They also had to set up some sort of corporation or an LLC. They also had to set up their website. They also had to set up all their social media. They also had to learn how to market and how to charge the right rate for their services. So it's important, I think, if you are starting your own business to be part of a network of other like-minded people who have been there and done that for their industry so that they can help teach you and guide you on your journey. Yeah. How did you go and finding like your, where you get your clothes and all that, that was just through other people and trying different samples. Yeah, so it, yes. So last year, what I did was, um, cause there's a few different ways to start a fashion business. You can actually work with companies, they're wholesalers that already have clothing made. Um, and then you can kind of select, and there's a lot of very, very select, very successful women out there who have online boutiques or in-person boutiques. And their skill is in selecting and curating the best vibe. You know, like one woman might have a shop that's very bohemian and she'll collect all of those clothing that has that vibe, or one might be um, all into like a different aesthetic. It might be all cocktail dresses or, you know, very elegant, fancy going out dresses. Um, so that's one avenue, but I had to really look deep inside of myself and like, what did I want to do? I really wanted to create something from scratch. So that meant I had to be able to work with someone. I didn't go to fashion design school. 
So that meant I had to find people who had those skills to do those drawings. And then um, I went to a fabric fair last year. So this is part of learning. You know, so in the fashion industry, there are events that happen every year where you can source fabrics and you can also meet manufacturers. So those manufacturers will then take those fabrics and actually make the skirts or the tops or the dresses or the pants or whatever it is that you're trying to do. They will make it, they'll charge a fee for actually doing the sewing. You have to pay for the fabric and you start learning how to make these things called line sheets, you know, that take the whole process of making one garment and break it down into how many yards of fabric you need, how much does the fabric cost, how much does it cost to sew it, how much does it cost to like ship it to you, so you have that final um, that final price per garment. Yeah, it seems like a huge process. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> it is a huge process. It is a huge process. I've learned a lot. I would probably do a few things a little differently if I went back in time. But if I went back in time, I would definitely be doing this. I would definitely be doing my business. I would definitely be here in Austin. I would definitely be part of a community of other small business owners that I know for sure. Where are you at in your business right now? So where I am right now is I'm actually very close um, to launching my very first clothing item. Um, I have this beautiful cotton cashmere sweater tank that is made in Italy that should be arriving next week. So my next step will then be to reaching out to my community again, seeing if people can help me with the photography so that I can start advertising it, so I can start marketing it, so I can start letting people know that it's available and ready and it was something that was really intentionally designed. Um, and then over the next six weeks, I should be getting a few more garments in that are going to be perfect for winter. You know, and they're all things I've made from scratch and that I really believe in that are super soft and luxurious and ethically made. And it's a very exciting place to be at to have worked for the past year and a half on the idea, then the concept, then sampling, you know, then trying different manufacturers and to finally be where I am right now, where um, I'm going to have garments ready to sail in another week or two. So it's that is super exciting. exciting. Are you just going to launch on your website? Yes, I'm going to launch on the website. Um, I'm going to do as much marketing I can by myself on social media. And then I'm going to, again, using my network, reach out to people just like I did last year when I didn't know how to make a product from scratch. And that seemed so difficult to me. Now, the next area that I need to learn is marketing, you know, so how can I reach a larger audience? You know, I believe in what I've made so much. I know that it is so soft. The colors are gorgeous. I believe in it. Now the challenge is how do I reach people who would also like it? You know, and I think a lot of small business owners get to that point where they've started something, they believe in their service, they believe in their product. Now they have to market and reach the right people who would also love it. You know, so that's where I am right now. That's my next big learning curve. And I'm excited about it, nervous about it, as any of us are when we're, we're on that frontier. What steps are you taking to learn that? So some of the steps that I am taking is I've actually joined a few small business groups. So I am part of a fashion brand group where we are all fashion brand owners and we meet once a month so we can talk about our challenges. So this is going to be an area that I'm going to be bringing up in the group. And that group also has a website that has resources for the different phases. Um, 
It definitely has all the marketing resources, but it also, for people who are just starting, it'll have resources on how do you write down your idea? How do you get a sketch? How do you find fabric? It has all of that information. So being part of a group in my industry is really important. I also started a mastermind with my, um, the person who did my Shopify website. And it is very specific to people who have products versus a service. So we just had our first meeting this week and it was so useful because there's one woman in the group who's a few years ahead of me. She has good revenue. Um, so we're going to be talking about what's been working for her. Has it been Pinterest? Has it been running ads? How has she been growing her email list? Um, and we're going to learn from each other, you know, because for me, that's the best way I learn from other people. And then I love to tell people the things I've learned along the way also. Yeah. That's so exciting. I feel like that's a whole nother animal you're about to tackle. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. And so I've actually gotten to a much better place with it. You know, when I met you a couple weeks ago, I was so unsure and uncertain about it. You know, you gave me some great advice, which I appreciate. And I kind of had this thought in my head of, well, remember how much work it seemed like to get your first sample done, mm -hmm. you know, but you found, you know, the research, you found other people who've done it. And now you, I have a lot more confidence on making something from scratch. So the same thing is going to apply to marketing, you know, and all the women I have met who are a few years ahead of me, they start somewhere and then over time it grows, you know, like every six months it grows a little bit, their marketing efforts grows. And then after the first year, it's better. And then after the second year, it's much better, you know, so that's, that's making me feel a lot better, you know, in terms of talking to other people who've already gone down that journey, that it does take time to build, especially if you're bootstrapping it yourself, you're doing it yourself. But if you're consistent, you can build and grow over time. Are you going to be doing all the fulfillment and everything? Is your house going to become a warehouse? <laughs> yes, it is. It is. So we've actually already started making plans for that. You know, so I already have some, I have a room set aside with shelving. Um, so yes, it is going to be the area for inventory as well. And a lot of fashion brands start out that way. And I actually think it's exciting. Oh, so, it's, I think it's the best um, way. Like you need to cut costs as much as you can. I am my own absolutely. fulfillment center in my house too. So, <laughs> so you, so you understand, like I have a wall that oh, yeah. has the shelving that's going to have the containers. And it also gives me intimacy with my customers because, um, someone asked me if I wanted to do a third party, you know, one of the famous ones is Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, but to begin with, I mean, the whole purpose of my brand is to engage with wonderful women, to give them a wonderful experience, to let them know that these products were made with love for them. It's more intimate. I want to be able to, especially in the beginning, be able to write those handwritten cards myself, you know, to be able to package them, to be able to feel a sense of confidence that each parcel is going out with so much intention over time, you know, when my orders get to the point when I can't fulfill them on my own, you know, I'm going to be really thoughtful on who I partner with, you know, um, and I've gotten, again, this is why it's important to be part of a community. I've already gotten um, some suggestions from my community that instead of necessarily immediately giving it to a company to fulfill orders, you know, maybe I can hire an intern. Mm -hmm know, as the first step. So it's still getting a personal touch. I can still be involved, but it'll go faster. So I think getting those different ideas on how you grow, because those are really 
for me at the different stages of a business. It's like, how do you start? Then how do you actually like do the first step of operations? And then how do you grow? You know, so as I do start growing, I can explore different options, you know, and see how they work and, um, and also decide on how big I want to be or how small I want to be, you know, and it's something, um, you didn't necessarily talk about, you know, in your questions and I appreciate it, but I'm going to actually talk about this concept of being a millionaire or being a billionaire. Okay. And I'm talking about this concept because so many people have asked me this question if my vision is to become a billionaire or a millionaire through this business okay having tons and tons of money basically you know is that the dream um and it's really not yeah that's, i was gonna think i've dream. never thought about that question but that's not my dream it's not my dream either but it is a question i get a lot and I think it is also something I see a lot on reality TV and on social media in terms of things people aspire to. Um, and it's not my dream because I believe so much in every single cashmere dress I make and every single silk shirt I make. I want there to be an intimacy there. I want there to be a connection. I want people to feel like I'm a real person providing something of value to them and that I value them. Okay. I don't want to become a faceless brand. You know, I don't want to become this huge mass produced thing because that's part of what I am different from. It's part of what I'm differentiating from. It's part of what I'm fighting from. You know, I love buying from small businesses. I love supporting small businesses and I love being part of that because um, even the masks I have, you know, so during this crisis, I have reusable masks. Those were made by women who have small businesses and it has a lot more meaning to me, you know, to use those, you know, the outfit I'm wearing today was made by a small business. You know, I personally enjoy that a lot more than just having um, tons of things that are generic. Um, and it's definitely not a goal of mine. Yes. I want to feel secure. I want to feel like I'm making enough money to live and support my family. Uh, but it's not necessarily a goal of mine to, be a billionaire. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that point up because I've never been asked that. And that's a very interesting question. And I've, that's something I've never thought think, about. Yes, I think I think it is something that's very valid. And I also think it's something that's very environment specific, you know, so um, I grew up in the north, I grew up in a big city, you know, I grew up in New York, I was most recently in Boston. Um, and I think some of the bigger cities in America, as well as in the world, London, they really value wealth because it's they're so expensive to live in. Um, I mean, Austin has become so expensive to live in. And I think it's a value. You know, I think people do, there are certain people who feel like they should aspire to that. They feel like they have to aspire to live in, you know, a mansion. They have to drive an expensive car, have expensive bags. You know, it's a lifestyle that I think we're sold a lot. Yeah. Um, but it's not something that, I know I will derive a lot of happiness from, you know, is it nice to have a nice purse or a nice pair of shoes? Absolutely. But the things that really make me happy, you know, this year has helped us reflect on it. My cancer scare has made me reflect on it is being able to have the people I love around me, um, being able to help my community um, and being able to do something I'm passionate about. Those are the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. 
Well, I think you proved that point too when you left your, I'm sure, very successful, high paying corporate job. Mm -hmm. It's like if you were in it yes. for that reasons, you would have stayed on that road. You, exactly. you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard to, to let go of that though, but I'm so glad. So glad. Is one of um, your goals to get into like a clothing boutique as well? Or do you want to stay controlling everything like on your website? Um, I think the majority of it I want to have on my website, but I do want to partner with local boutiques because I think there's some fabulous women who own boutiques who are just so intelligent and they curate beautiful selections, you know, and it would be wonderful, you know, because it would also help me learn owning a boutique is its own area of expertise. It is a lot of logistics. It is a lot to learn. So it might be a way for me to learn a little bit about that without having to do like my own boutique full time, you know, so I think partnering with someone, it might be great, you know, the pieces from Kosher might be a good complement for the things that they have. And I know that there are a lot of brands, boutique brands that love to support, you know, emerging designers. So I think that might be a really great fit for me, you know, so I think moving forward, I'm anticipating a lot of my sales to be going through my online store, but I'm very, very excited about the opportunity of partnering with local boutiques because local is so important to me. Community is so important to me. I think it's definitely going to be um, the reason I'm having a little hesitation in my voice right now is just because we haven't fully come out of the COVID crisis. So I'm not sure how that's going to look, but it will, as things get better, that's going to definitely evolve. What is your launch plan? So you're getting this product. What is your, do you have like, I'm going to do this big announcement on my social media. Mm -hmm. What is your plan for that? Yes. So I, so my launch plan is kind of a series of lead up efforts. You know, I'm going to be making an announcement next week about the first product that I'm launching on the website. That's going to be available as I get two or three more products in, you know, I'm going to be doing a photo shoot so that I can advertise that and do more launch announcements through my website, through my email marketing campaign, and then through certain social media campaigns as well. Um, another area that I'm going to explore is just reaching out to see what type of local press I can get so that people become more aware of it, you know, and then I'm going to really use the data to see what has been working. You know, how are people finding closure? How are people finding, you know, the clothing um, and where are the sales coming from, you know, so that I can then refocus my efforts more on that. Have you thought, I'm just thinking out loud, um, mm -hmm. you know, I think of successful corporate women. I think of a news anchor. Do you, have you thought about maybe reaching out to like a news anchor, getting her to wear kosher or anything like that? Oh, I think that's a neat idea. I haven't thought of that, but I'm writing that down. <laughs> I don't know. It just came to my mind. When I think of successful corporate, for some reason, news anchor is someone who I know is going to care about. Yes, it's true. It's true. But I think those are the type of ideas, again, going back to one of my other points, when you talk to other people and you brainstorm, you get these ideas of like, how can you get this particular product out there? Because I think that's a great idea. You know, that's a great idea. So much of it also starts by word of mouth, you know, so part of the launch plan also is everyone's active on different social media. Um, for me, the one that I use the most is Instagram. And I also have started using TikTok. Oh my gosh. So what's, your, what's your verdict on TikTok? <laughs> TikTok is a ton of fun, you know? So the thing about TikTok is that it's very entertaining, but a lot of small businesses have actually gotten traction on TikTok very quickly. Yeah, I agree. Um, I am by, 
yeah, I am by no means a TikTok expert, but I definitely have a goal that I'm going to make one TikTok video a week, you know, just to have some consistency on that platform and to see what people are interested in and to see what people are looking at. There are actually some sustainable fashion brands that I found this week that they talk about their brand. You know, it's not like they're doing dance moves on TikTok. They're actually just showing the process of how they start the brand and they're starting to get views. You know, so that's a way that I can be inspired by other people that are using TikTok as a platform. Instagram, I'm a little bit more familiar with, you know, so reaching out to people who are influencers, seeing if they want to collab, um, running ads on Facebook and Instagram. Those are things that are a little bit more solid in my mind, you know, and I'll be putting that into my plan as to how much money do I want to spend in each area and how long do I need to do that so that I can look at the data and see if it's working. Um, but TikTok is new. It's highly, highly entertaining. Well, do you think it's too young of an audience? Have or Absolutely not. You don't? Oh, Absolutely that's very interesting. Nope. No, even though a large amount of people might be teens or tweens, there is a huge audience of women, um, young women, women who are young moms, women who are moms with older kids. There's a huge audience. Um, and it's growing. The platform is growing really, really fast. I mean, I follow people on TikTok who are plant moms, you know, so they give plant tips. I follow people on TikTok who give recipe advice, you know, so it's not yeah, that teen that's audience. True. Um, and I also follow a few home decor accounts because they do short videos, you know, on of that. Um, so it's a growing, it's, it's definitely something I have to pay attention to and get more familiar with. I also have to start putting myself out on YouTube again, um, because that way, if people are searching for, you know, a sustainable cashmere sweater and they're, you know, searching for it, they're going to find me. You know, I want to make sure I'm creating really good, informative content and I'm publishing it on every single medium that I can. Yeah, I think Pinterest for some reason is going to be huge. Well, I think it's just a really great way for people to find clothing. Yes. I think that's going to be a huge one for you. I think so too. And it's something that I'm not as knowledgeable about, but I'm learning, you know? And so, um, I'm excited about it because there's Pinterest so I can invest in Pinterest and I can invest in TikTok and in YouTube and in Instagram. There's so many platforms. <laughs> I know there are a lot, but over time I want to get really good at creating the post or the content, the information that are useful for people. Um, and then being able to use that same piece of information on Pinterest. Like right now I've gotten a better hang of Instagram. There's no reason why I can't use that same information on Instagram and put it on Pinterest, you know, or put it on, um, make it into a short TikTok video. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to increase my skill around. You know, every month I feel like I increase my skill in one area. You know, the past, this whole year, my skills in terms of, getting a product to the sample phase, picking the right color, picking the right fabrication, that has increased a lot. Um, and now I kind of have this marketing and also content creation area to increase my skills on. I just keep telling myself, there's a lot of other women entrepreneurs, women mom entrepreneurs, they are making content and they are doing it and they're doing it with their iPhone. You know, they're not necessarily hiring large production crews every time that they're doing a video or a photo. Um, I really think the key is practice and consistency and mindset. It goes back to mindset. If I tell myself 
I can't make those videos by myself or I can't take a good picture by myself, then it's true. But if I tell myself that I can practice and get better at it, then that's also true. You know, so I want to have that mindset of learning and trying. Well, you never know what people are going to like either. You have to try everything and see what sticks and what your audience is gravitating towards as I well. I think that is so, so true. And I think the thing that has been so eye-opening for me is um, I love the photographers, you know, that I've hired because they're all my friends as well. And they get great engagement when I put them on social media, those photos. Um, but I've also noticed that just a regular iPhone photo that's been taken by a friend where I'm wearing a fashionable outfit does really, really well also, yeah. you know, so that, that has helped me get over my fear oh. of that every single photo I publish has to be. Yeah. Ha yeah. So I had that fear, like every single photo I published has to be super professional or every single video, but that's not necessarily true. I think people are also attracted to authentic, real, real photos, you know, versus, um, everything that has the perfect lighting. No, for sure. And we want to be able, it's not, sometimes they're not relatable. Like when you see like an actual photo, right. it's very relatable. Like, yeah. oh, that could be me. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that way all the time, which is why it's also important for me um, as I grow, you know, I definitely want to reach out to a variety of women and ask them if they would be interested in modeling my clothing. You know, women of all different backgrounds, um, all different sizes, because one of the things that attracts me to buy a piece of clothing online is if I see someone who's a similar size to me, it is so much more helpful for me to understand, you know, what size I'm supposed to get or if it'll look good on me. You know, if I see only that one model size. It's not relatable. It's, it's like, who has that yeah. body? <laughs> you know, I know like, yeah, it's like a small segment and I love all those women who have that body type too, you know, but I want to see a variety because we're not all the same, Yeah, you know, and, and that is, you know, and I want to myself and my brand is also about embracing our diversity and embracing body positivity, you know, cause I've learned a lot through this process. One of the lessons I've learned about being in fashion is that even though it's the year 2020, there is still a lot of pressure on women to be a size extra small or small. Yeah. And a lot of fashion brands do not want to really represent women who are mid-sized or plus-sized. And that's just not what we, that's just not what the world is. The world is not just one size. We have a variety of sizes. Um, and there's no reason why we can't showcase women from different heights and different, you know, body types and different ethnic backgrounds it doesn't make sense for me to have everything generic because that's not how we are as a community, as a population. We have a lot of diversity in our communities now, and that should be represented. Um, some of the protests and the movements earlier this year called for a lot of fashion brands to have more people of color in their photography. I think that is so important um, and more body inclusivity. You know, we have a long way to go there, you know, as the fashion industry. Well, especially the corporate fashion industry. I don't, yes. you don't see any plus size marketed in like a I business know, suit. I don't think I've ever seen that in my entire life. No, it's, it's horrible, you know, or even someone who is a size medium. Yeah. I just don't even, that like happens. I'm so, so that, average and I feel like I can't, I don't know what the yes. models, they're not my body type. Right. They're not at all. They're not at all, which is why whenever I buy something from a corporate brand, I usually talk to a sales associate first because I have no idea how the sizing is going to be. I have no idea what's going to fit. 
for me, for all the garments that I am making from scratch, you know, it's, I'm being very intentional about trying on the garments first on a variety of body sizes. I'm trying it on people who are five foot four and an extra large. I'm trying it on people who are a size large and five foot three. I'm trying it on people who are large and almost six feet tall. I'm trying it on different body types because we are all different, you know? So it's important to be able to make sure my brand itself, the word kosher, I invented that word and it means cozy plus couture. It's important for women to have things that are stylish, but still comfortable, you know, and that have fit and flexibility into them. So it was important for me to try things on a variety of different women to make sure I felt confident that when they slipped it on, it was going to have a great fit. Um, they were going to feel beautiful, you know, and that's just so important. That's just so important. I also you know, love your name. I just want to throw that out there. It makes me feel warm and like, I don't know, it has yes. a warm feeling about it. And that's very important to me, you know, being warm and welcoming, um, nurturing, pampering. That's all a very important part of luxury. You know, the word luxury itself can mean different things to different people. Luxury can sometimes mean status. And I'm not really after that. I'm really more about pampering and warm and making you feel loved and making you feel unique and embracing that. You know, well, your name all captures all of that. It's spot on. Thank you. That means so much. Thank you. And then quickly, just what, how's your husband? Like, this is probably like a huge thing that he's like seen you yes. go through. How is he? Yes. Is he your biggest fan? I know that's super important when you're starting a yes. business. It's really, it's really important. You know, my husband and I have been together for a long time. We've been together since we were teenagers and we've grown together so much. Um, this has really been an opportunity for me to support his corporate career. So he is corporate. And it's been an opportunity for him to support me and my small business. So our conversation has been, I want to support him as much as possible so that he can advance his corporate career as much as possible. And he would have the freedom to do that. Um, and then his conversation with me was he wanted to support me in starting this, you know, and I did get job offers when I moved to Austin in the industry I used to work in, in the technology industry. And my husband said, no, we moved here so you could do this. So just like put both feet in and just do it. Um, and he's been very helpful and very supportive every stage of the way, you know, and he also helps to, when I do get worried about something, if I have some anxiety, he's a good strategic partner to talk through it, you know, to talk through it. And um, like when I met you a couple weeks ago, I was like, I don't know how to do marketing, you know, but talking to him because he's like a third person, you know, he'll be like, well, other people have figured it out. So how can you figure it out? Who can you talk to? You know, what are the small steps you can take? Remember that all big companies started somewhere, you know, and those are all very important supports to have very, very important supports to have at home. So it's been great, you know, um, it's definitely reinforced that we have the same values that we're always there to support each other, you know, and his it's being able to have my own business during the COVID crisis has helped me support him too, because um, he works in, he's corporate and his corporate job is in the healthcare industry, which has been so chaotic during the pandemic. So he has had, you know, to do so many um, he's had to shift from, traveling full-time he used to travel every single week oh wow yes um and that's part of the reason also we kind of decided i would do the small business so that most of my work could be done you know um locally 
And then he had, this is the first time in our marriage, actually, that he has been home. Wow. I'm sure that's been amazing. It has. I've been happy for him because even though his hours may be similar, you know, he's working the hours because the healthcare industry has been so stressed out during this time. Um, The fact that he didn't have to travel, you know, he was at least able to sleep in his own bed. He was able to comfort me and the kids when we were scared during the lockdown. You know, it was, um, it was really great. It's been a great opportunity for him to spend more time with his daughters. That has been amazing because it's always been me and I've always loved that. But now he's talking to them and he's talking to them about how school is going and he's, you know, doing that over breakfast. It's so great. So that has been another silver lining of the pandemic crisis that we've been through. It's given us a chance to have him around more. Yeah, that's great. I'm so happy for you guys and that families, you know, even though this is terrible what's happening, it that is, yeah. families are closer than ever. I'm almost, well, I am sick of my boyfriend, <laughs> you know, because it's yes. so much time. Yes, I know. And I'm sure you are holding on to your baby extra tight because it's just so precious. You yeah, know? and they like, grow so fast. Oh my gosh. Especially the phase that you're in right now. They just grow so, so fast. And almost like every week they've learned, you know, some new thing. And you're like, how do you learn that? Well, every, I swear he wakes up from a nap or from bedtime and he's bigger. <laughs> yeah, he is. Absolutely. It's, it's such a precious time. It goes so fast. What are some of your, so five years from now, where do you see Kozier? Where I see Kozier five years from now is that we have a really good rhythm. We know how many pieces to make a year, you know, how many sweaters or how many dresses, um, how many coats. We know what our audience wants. You know, my five-year goal is really having a good understanding of what women want, you know, how much variety they want, what are the type of products they want, um, and being able to have good connection with them, you know, so five years from now, I feel like we'd have a pretty good rhythm of every year, how much we are making from scratch, what are the different variations. I also have this vision for having a much better connectivity and a way for women to vote on what they want. So where I would like to be in five years is if I've designed a beautiful shirt before I actually start manufacturing it a few months before then, I'd love to give women who know Kozier an opportunity to vote for, I'd love that in pink. I'd love that in red. I want that in black. I want that in whatever color so that I can be focused on what they feel like is missing in their wardrobe. You know, I want that intimate connection that they have a voice. Um, Women having a voice is very important to me. So I want them to also have a voice in what I'm making for them. So I think that will be just so neat. And I know people love it. I know that people love it because um, every time I vote and I put on Instagram, do you want it in this color or that color? People love to be part of the process. Yeah, because it makes them feel part of something bigger than ourselves. And I think that's all yeah. we want in life, you know, a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And where like in fashion, I've learned a lot that these runway shows, because we're actually in the middle of one fashion season right now. Um, the, the in-person has been canceled, but there are all these like fashion weeks that are happening. It's important to know what the trends are, but I think it's much more important to be close to your audience, you know, much more closer. Cause oftentimes what happens is the trends is that the same colors and the same styles get made over and over again. Um, and I think women sometimes want something different. They may want a color that 
they don't get, you know, like, so I know what you like, look like. Um, and one of the colors that I chose was like a deep green. Um, and it looks great on all of skin tone. It looks great with people who have like brown eyes, hazel eyes, green eyes. And I really wanted to do that because it's not actually not that easy to get certain shades of green that are very flattering and that can be mixed and matched over jeans or, you know, um, more sophisticated things. So I thought about that, you know, I thought about that. Women would really want to be able to voice what colors that they are missing that they can't find easily. And then also what styles that they're missing and that they can't find. Yeah. Um, are you going to be doing like a fashion show? Is that something you see in the future too? I do. I was actually asked to do one this year. It was going to be virtual. So I felt like it was a little bit hard for me to get all of those pieces, you know, together um, in time. But absolutely, I do see a fashion show in the future and something where you can see um, versatility is such a huge part of Kosher. Having the same top, but being able to wear it on jeans, being able to wear it on shorts, being able to wear it on skirt, being able to even wear it to a corporate office job. Because uh, it's part of my brand values that you should have things that you really love so that you can mix it and match it in your wardrobe instead of buying a ton of stuff. You know, being able to have some pieces that were just so versatile that um, you love wearing them because, you know, you could wear it to an office job. You can also wear it over jeans. You know, that's also part of my mission statement. And then who is someone you look up to? Is it someone in the fashion industry or some brand that you really resonate with or anything like that? Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, so one of the people, you know, she has a really large uh, social media following. Her name is Rachel Parcell. She's very, she has her own fashion brand. It's grown a lot. It's in Nordstrom. What I like about her is that she has some similarities in terms of her Instagram presence is not just about fashion. It's also about what's going on in her life, um, about her family. You know, she recently had a, another baby. And I like that because I can see the dedication she puts into her brand, but I can also see that she has family values. She loves her kids. Um, and she's also colorful. She likes to bring color and things that are feminine to um, her clothing brand. And she also started somewhere and it's taken her years to grow this, this big as she is right now. So that has been, you know, a huge inspiration for me, you know, to be able to look at her and how she's done that. Um, and how she, she also has a lot of support from her family and her husband. It's been great. Yeah. Everyone does start somewhere and you don't even, so I think a lot with podcasts, it's like people have been years into their podcast before you've even heard of them and yes. you think that they've always just been this way, but then you go back and listen to one of their first podcasts. And I encourage, you know, even you to do this because it shows you the growth right away. It's very yeah. apparent, the sound, the, the way they talk. The, you know, just everything about it. And it's just so interesting to me because it's like there's a journey in every business that you've ever Absolutely. seen. Absolutely. I mean, even here locally in Austin, um, Kendra Scott is one of our, you know, success stories. She started by herself and really small, you know, and because um, she's been in business for, I think, a decade now at least. So, you know, you do start somewhere. Um, and it is important to look back, you know, even for me. So one of the things that I do, um, I started doing this in 2019 is every month I just write down some big things that happened that month, you know, like, so last year I got my trademark approved and I wrote it down, you know, July got the trademark approved, you know, um, December got my first sample in, 
It is so important to go back and just to see the highlights from that year because it shows how much you can do in one year. And then when I look back at that in three years, I'll be like, wow, look at what I've done. You know, it does take time, but it's important to reflect back on and what And to you've celebrate done. those little milestones. Yes, yes, absolutely. And then where can our listeners connect with you online? When can they expect this launch? When can they purchase? Yes, absolutely. So they're more than welcome to connect with me um, on Instagram is the best social media uh, um, outlet for me right now at Closure. And they can expect launch um, in early October. That's just next week. Wow. And they can ask and they can expect um, some more products coming in towards the end of the month. It's very exciting. So we are having a fall launch. It's so exciting. Um, Can't wait to deliver this to amazing women everywhere. Yeah, I can't wait to see it and to see the success and the sales. I'm sure once you get your first sale, you know, you do a little happy dance, I know. Yes, <laughs> it's going to be so great. It's going to be such a great moment. I'm excited. Yeah, and then did you have any questions for me that you wanted to ask or anything like that? I am. So I have so much admiration for you. You know, like, how did you get the idea for the podcast? Well, okay, so I've been listening to other podcasts a mm-hmm. lot, and I was listening to like a lot of entrepreneurial ones, and I just felt like a lot of them were talking a lot about just only the positive things, especially in a business journey. Like these people would interview people that were already like, okay, perfect example, like Kendra Scott. If I was to interview her right now, it would be a lot of you know, all of her, what she's already accomplished. It's not so much mm-hmm. the struggle, does, if that makes right. sense. Like I wanted to capture the business owners like you who are just starting out, like that yeah. journey, the pivotal moments, the stuff that other people in podcasts just, you know, they're already millionaires interviewing millionaires. <laughs> you know, it's like mm-hmm. I wanted to really capture the small business owners and the actual journey and in that journey and not just after they've already made a million dollars because it's some it's it was unrelatable to me I actually think that's so smart you just gave me a flashback you know because um before the pandemic I used to love going to like these kind of small business uh, conferences and the people that they would interview you know I love them of course you know but they've already made their business into a hundred million dollar business and of course they talk about the first few years being a struggle but it's hard to relate to it because they've already built it so big, you know, it's taken them 10 or 15 years to build it so big and they've already built it so big. It is important to talk to people in the beginning stages, you know, because it helps you understand how you can even have some beginning progress. Where do you start? How do you overcome those challenges? Um, What are some of the typical challenges that you have when you start out? It's really important. And just to realize people are at the same stage as you are. Like, I don't want to hear from the millionaire who's on their yacht now and they're, you know, I want to hear from people like you and what you've gone through and how you're starting and how you're figuring, navigating this whole new world. And that's Mm -hmm. important. And that's the story that I feel needs to be told. And the name came from, I just hate genderfying the girl boss term. I just feel like it should just be a neutral, like it doesn't need to be girl boss it doesn't need to be all of those terms that you see all over target on the coffee mugs (laughs) I agree I agree I don't refer to myself as those terms actually I would never (laughs) I don't but at the same time I'm also very open-minded you know like if a friend of mine 
you know, uses the hashtag boss babe or, you know, anything like that. I'm very open-minded because what I've learned about coming to Austin is there is a lot of strength in the um, female small business community that we're very helpful to one another. Um, but I am very inclusive. It doesn't matter to me. Like if, if there was a man who was starting a business and he wanted to help her, I'm happy. Yeah, know, to- exactly. I agree. And I'm not like if someone were to call me girl boss, I wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, don't call exactly. me that name. It's just exactly. something that I know every woman business owner who's actually a business owner and not just saying they are would never refer to them as girl boss. And that's, I thought it was just kind of a fun name. No, I think it's very important. I think it's very important to, to call that out because I almost feel in some ways the girl boss and stuff actually puts us down a yeah. little bit. It's like, why, why do I have to be a girl boss? Like that doesn't sound fun. I'm a woman, yeah. you know, I'm not a girl. Right. And, and number why, one. <laughs> yeah. And why does it have to be about my gender? Why can't it be about me as an entrepreneur doing this really great business? Exactly. Yeah. So I totally agree with that theme as well. You know, I personally don't refer to myself as a girl at all either. I feel like me that, neither. Yeah. It infantilizes us. You know, we are, we're adults, you know, we don't call, um, guys that start businesses boys. They would be boy a- so offended. Yes. And boy boss actually flows better than girl boss because it's a B and a B. Yeah, yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. And no, you know, a guy would probably get like super ego and mm-hmm. get really upset if you were to say that to them. And so yeah, true. it needs it's to go true. both ways. It does. I totally Especially agree. in 2020. It's like this is the year of change. This should be one it of them. Is, it's a big year of change. You know, we still have a while to go on a lot of different fronts. But, you know, I'm hoping for more diversity and equality and people being able to respect each other. I agree. And it just, I thought we were past it, but you know, I all, too. all this oh, year I was like, Oh, I, I, not... couldn't, I couldn't believe it. You know, just like, I remember when me too happened, that was two years ago when it first broke out, it was like, Oh my gosh, we've come so far, but we're still under all of these things. This is horrible. And then when the protests happened this year, I was like, we are all equal. This is, how is this even a question? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand it. You know, for me, I don't relate to it. It's really hard. Like, I understand that it's going on in the world. It's just still hard for me to comprehend that that's even Absolutely. happening. How can anyone treat anybody else like that is beyond me. It's yeah, just I don't understand horrible. it. It's horrible. Yeah, but I'm glad more people are uniting um, to make things better. Yeah, me too. Um, Well, is there anything else you wanted to leave the audience with? Any important things that you would say to another business owner starting out or anything like that? I mean, I think the key thing I would say to any small business owner, because we all go through these points of being nervous or questioning ourselves, is if it is in your heart, you can do it. If it is in your heart, you are meant to do it. Um, And small steps get you there. Small steps get you there. Um, it's not reasonable to think that it's going to happen overnight and you should not, you should not be upset with yourself if it doesn't happen overnight. It does take time, but if it's in your heart, you can do it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I a hundred percent agree with it. And really you can do anything you set your mind to. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica, for this opportunity. It's been such a pleasure. Yeah, I can't wait for everyone to hear it. And thank you again for coming on. And I wish you the best success with your business. And I'll be watching. I can't wait. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a great rest of your day.
I hope you loved today's episode. Um, I have a new episode every Sunday. I interview small business owners. If you have someone you want to nominate who's just a badass, who has a great story, whatever it may be, DM at Don't Call Me Girl Boss and let me know why I should interview them. Also, if you loved this podcast, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. That's the only way to really support the podcast. And I just really appreciate every single one of you listening. And I hope you enjoyed it and became a better version of yourself and really gained some tips, some tricks, just anything from this podcast. Um, I'll see you next week.